What's up, Fan Bros? This is your boy DJ Benjamin, and on this episode of Fan Bros Show, we welcome Dart Adams and Jay Smooth to the spaceship. We're trying to figure out what the hell is up with Damon Wayans. And is Bokeem Woodbine a national treasure? Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. And welcome, Internets, to another episode of Fan Bros. The show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. Lucius Lionel, a.k.a. Wakanda's favorite DJ, a.k.a. Quantum Leech, in the building tonight in the spaceship on Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek. And tonight, we don't have Tatiana King jones What are you talking about? I'm I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tatiana! This is Tatiana... Grand Duchess of Texas. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't remember all my AKAs, but it's Black me. Russian, Stiletto Stunner. <laughs> all that. That's me. You don't. You forgot me already. Your right? voice has gotten a little deeper. It has. Yeah. <laughs> no, no explanation for that. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks like we do have Tatiana. I'll get back to her in a second because also joining me in the third chair, as always, is uh, Chico Leo. But I will be. I'm, I'm sitting in uh, Tatiana's chair this uh, True. this this episode, yep. and so uh, my AKA since I'm uh, sitting in her chair and since I've been fighting evil by moonlight, since I've been winning love by daylight, I'll be uh, Sailor Chico. I don't wow. know. That yeah. was like a long intro. That was some <laughs> Sailor Moon. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sure somebody got that reference, but it wasn't there's, me. There's a lot of Sailor Moon fans <laughs> out there. I'm, oh, quite a lot. I know Ty the Robot is one of them. Shout outs to Ty. Indeed. Yep, indeed. Also, we have us. Space Ghost producer Kim Sonian in the third seat, a.k.a. Thulsa Doom's hair, a.k.a. Vermithrax pejorative. Google it, people. It's a dope movie. Damn sure is. Word up. And like I said before, here we have, uh, you know, it's not a room full of dudes tonight as we do have Tatiana joining us. She's got a little bit of a cold this evening, so forgive the frog in her throat. No, no, no. Tatiana does have a little bit of a cold. Send all your blessings and well wishes out to her. But magically, amazingly, through just the power of the internets and, you know, walking on the street and shit. We have Jay Smooth in the building. Woo! Yes, what's up, people? Wow. I, I, I will break the spell. I'm sure you all believed at home that, that this was <laughs> Tatiana. But no, it's me, Master Impressionist, Jay Smooth. Yes. Ill, Ill Doctrine, WBAI Radio. Uh-huh. Let him know. Legend. Superstar legend himself in the house. Yo, you know what? I tweeted this one day recently, so not I have you here. You know, do you get royalties from, like, every YouTube <laughs> video creator? Because, yo, the jock in my style... You know, is amazing. Like throughout the world of content creators, I feel I, I don't know. Were you the first to come with that style? I I wasn't the first. I mean, the person that I'll give credit to is someone named Zay Frank, 
who was uh, in the game real early mm-hmm. and had a pretty similar style and also did incredible work. Y'all should definitely check him if you haven't seen him. Okay. Um, and I, I came in pretty soon after him. And I will say, just as a creative person who wants to respect creative work, I think there's a lot of decisions that people come to independently yeah. that just because those are the obvious choices to make in that medium. And it'll look like somebody's jocking somebody else. And that might not actually be what's going on. Because a lot of people would say I was jocking Zay Frank when I started. And I was just coming to the same process because there's decisions you're going to make. Like you're going to be close to the camera because you don't have an external mic yet and you want to get good sound. You're going to do a lot of tight cuts because otherwise you got to memorize everything if you don't have a teleprompter. Like there's stylistic decisions you're going to make out of necessity because of the form that you're working with that everyone – like I think there's a lot of parallel thinking that people – Underestimate. That being said, a lot of people do also bite my style. Yeah, let's keep it real. Come on, man. This is Fan Bro Show. Voice of the Urban Geek. (laughs) And if you don't want to say it, I will say it. A lot of people out there, especially a lot of these new jacks, man, yeah, they owe you a check. And I don't mind. I mean, look, to me, if you're saying something that you believe in, if you're getting a message out there, if I provided like a vehicle or a formula to do that, I think that's dope. I'm not mad. But if someone is just sort of using the style to cake up and get ad views or something like that i might feel some kind of way but overall like that's everyone is copying somebody so most definitely but yeah if you don't know jay smooth is one of the original and still to this day dropping gems on youtube I mean, all kind of crazy. Also, dreams. like sunning hosts or guests on like <laughs> CNN. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh CNN. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. A, that's my new franchise is t- <laughs> telling <laughs> telling people I'm actually black. I'm going on an actually black tour. Right. Nice. I'm, I'm here to promote that. Actually. Don't you have T-shirts? I'm wor- working. I'm working on it. All actually right. black. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that. All right, I'm down for that, man. Shit, even my ass has been asked before, so you know I'm down. It's amazing how off some people's black dar is. Yo, man, it can be like you're no, no. You gotta, you gotta be black, black, black sometimes for some people to be black. Cause man, whoo, I, I don't think I'd get called very black if I started talking about Force Fridays either. But you know, I know that's a. <laughs> Near and dear subject to Chico's heart. You know, it's been a great weekend, man. This weekend was really crazy in general. I hope everybody had a great one. You know, we didn't have a special delivery. We did not. It, well, it was it was Labor Day. Yeah, so. you know, we were out partying and getting drunk. Sorry, folks. You know, it happens. Sh- shout out to all the women who were in labor this weekend. Why not? <laughs> um, Yeah, big ups to everyone. Hope you had a great weekend. Like I said, I was at Force Fridays. In Midtown Manhattan, you at know, midnight on Thursday. At midnight, so that on was Thursday. the beginning of your weekend. Yeah. That was the beginning of my weekend. And Chico actually told me that um, people who were there should be rounded up in trucks and shot. <laughs> I didn't say. Did I say that? <laughs> I actually, think you all right. Did. That was I, a little. I think those were your I, I don't know. I can't imagine. I might have said the rounding up. I don't know about the <laughs> shot. The shot. So Yo, just taken off to a camp somewhere. Well, no, I don't know. I, you know what it is? It's it's um, my general feeling. You know, it's like two months before the movie, and it's it's at this point. I feel like the movie is just um, is just a commercial for these toys. You know that 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 uh, uh, what 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 how, how do how do I put this? Um, I understand. So the Star Wars movies have made $4 billion. The licensing stuff has made $13 billion. So I understand this is a business. We live in a capitalist society. However, the fact is all this information that they release in advance, I feel like each time I read something or I hear something or I see something, it chips away a little piece of enjoyment that I would have had had I not known that in the movie. Now, you disagree 
But I can definitely say, like, yes, when Captain Phasma or whatever her name is first shows up in her silver stormtrooper armor, and then it's revealed that she's Brienne of Tarth, like, wh- where is any of the enjoyment out of that? Like, I already know that. I already know that BB-8 or whatever that little droid is, you know, with that girl who might or might not be, like, you know, Han and Leia's daughter. Or I just know too much, and I'm trying to avoid finding anything out. And I just feel like, yeah, when you go to a movie and you and you know all this stuff in advance, how can you possibly enjoy that movie as much? Yeah, I feel like, but what happens? So when you see it the second time and you know all this stuff and you don't enjoy it anymore, you're not like, oh, you, you know. And I also gotta, <laughs> I gotta weigh in just really quick. Like you've been reading comics for I don't know how long. Right. These superhero movies that come out, you still have some sort of reaction to them that's not just like, oh, I've seen this all before. Well, yes. my my I, obviously I have the, because it's Star Wars and Star Wars plays you know at a very important you know like yes I will admit probably the single most important for whatever it's worth the most important event in my life was the first time I saw Star Wars you know in the theaters before and I remember the actual event and it was before my fifth birthday and so it was that long ago and I totally remember and I was. Darth Vader scared the shit out of me. I saw it five times in the theaters <laughs> Yo, in I that used to first have Darth run. Darth Vader nightmares. Yeah, Darth Vader was chasing me through the subway. The breathing, you know. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was definitely uh, so. You know, I, and so I'm a little persnickety because it's Star Wars. Ooh, that's a word. But I also feel like you know, um, like it's just I don't understand the point because everyone is clearly going to go see the new Star Wars movie. Like if they don't need to advertise it, they do though. You got, I mean, Chico, it doesn't matter there's a there's a glut as you've mentioned a million times of entertainment out there for people to sample and see uh, this is 20 years even after the phantom menace damn near right 15 whatever so this is not like some you know current thing where people ha- are like oh my god i have to see star wars unless they do the marketing that's how things work that's how you make a billion dollars versus making 500 million just like you said the t the toys have Long sure. since outsold the movies, and I, and I movies. understand. And I understand, and that. that goes back to before. That goes back to Empire Strikes Back at yeah. the very yeah. least. But, at the yeah. very least, if not yeah. to the first Star Wars. Okay, Go, going back to the original Star Wars, which is the Bible, when Moses comes down from the mountain with the with the Ten Commandments, what? all the people are there worshiping a golden calf. And that's what I feel like this is. Like, Star Wars the so movie. So me buying my Finn action figure I mean, was worshiping the golden Star- calf? No, because I actually, I know that you, you're you you're an action figure. Cl- no, I mean, it, it, no. Yeah. I, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. You're a heathen, yeah. Ben. Yeah. I mean, if you no, I, you know, I, I just so the movie is is the tablets that Moses brings down from Ararat and or whatever the mountain. No, mount they're is. not. They're movies, Chico. Like the Star Wars is also the most important thing in my life. It was the first thing that sent me on the direction to want to make film, everything that I'm doing right now, et cetera, et cetera. But they're still just freaking movies, man. They're right. not and the Bible and the Bible is a book, and that woman went to jail in Whoa. Kentucky over the Bible. I yeah, mean, well, like, I hope you don't go to jail over Star well, Wars man, anytime soon. This metaphor is way stretched <laughs> yeah. out, dude. No, the I minutes, the people who made that should have put in jail. That's you know, that's the people you need to really I, I I definitely don't disagree with you, and I think, you know, there's some books in the Bible that get quoted more than others. <laughs> but I also think, Chico, you're looking at this from a very adult perspective. Yeah. And when you're 12 years old, and if you're into Star Wars, any clue or information yes. is going to feed right. your imagination. Yes. I used to read the spin off, the canon books back 
between Empire and Jedi. I want to say I read the Return of the Jedi book before I saw Return of the Jedi because it was out beforehand. No, and I, I know I did that. So for Terminator and, and, and I read that the Alan Dean Foster wrote. I, yeah. I read that. I, mean, I know I, I, I did knew, for Terminator Two. It did. Was in a lava incident, like fell into a volcano back when back right when because it was in some book or something like yeah, that so but I mean, but that wasn't about the up i mean it wasn't yes, like it was. you read that and then they showed vader and i read in the terminator 2 the book before i saw the movie but no we're just talking about it star wars yeah you know. but it doesn't wait, what? Yeah, wait, no, no uh-huh. because there's no comparison of right. like you know terminator 2 is one of the greatest films of all time you it, know it, there is there is enough to compare right there yeah there's yeah both universes are yeah fantastic but jeez all right well that's what kicked off my weekend, but right. Chica was not at Force Friday. <laughs> no, definitely wasn't. But I got to give a big shout out to uh, Combat Jack, Young Guru, a bunch of other mother who was out with me, uh, Just Davey, Preezy the Kid. It was a bunch of people. This weekend, there was the uh, VST boat party, I think it was. Uh, young Guru was DJing. Um, I, I want to remember this kid's name who was spinning at this moment. But anyway... There's, you know, the party's going, the boat's in full motion, and damn, I can't remember the DJ's name. But the party's popping, you know, everything's going, and suddenly out of nowhere, this kid throws on, um, I'm sure most of you in the internet have heard it, the Why You Always Lying uh, remix to, who is that, Next? That's that's the group Next, right? Yeah. Too Close? Yeah, it's the remix to Too Close. A song that I fucking hate. Let me talk about that. I've always <laughs> thought Too Close is one of the worst songs ever. No, that's not Jagged Edge. No, 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 that's next. next. It's next, definitely. I've always hated Too Close. But this dude made this remix of it, you know, Why You Always Lying, my God. You know, and the DJ throws this joint on and the whole place explodes. (laughs) Like, it was so crazy because, like, there was a shorty on the mic and she didn't even know what was going on. Because when he started the song, she's like, yo, you know, why you throwing on, you know, you're going kind of old school on him, you know, this is pretty old school right here. And then as soon as the first lyric kicks in, the whole place starts singing. I mean, utter pandemonium. I just It's just something that was so amazing about that moment to me because it's like, this shit ain't on radio. There's no, I mean, there's video, but it's Instagram, Vine, things of that nature. And the first time I saw it, I think, was last Wednesday or so. So by Saturday night, this joint is a smash hit, like where you can drop it at any party and it turns it out. So that just you know that's just a real quick testament to the power of social media and you know having a hit song too. Someone pointed out to me that if you know how Google predicts what you're searching for, if you just type in the word "why", why? right now, it wow. predicts why, why you, you are lying. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, there's already a Spanish. Uh, someone, someone, uh, a Latin guy did a Spanish version of it in <laughs> Spanish, like aping the exact moves of the dude. Does he have his foot on the and toilet? So though, is the he's only got question. his foot on something. I don't think it's a toilet because he's doing it inside in a living room somewhere. <laughs> but that's also like you were in a mat. You were with your friends. You were on a boat. It was Saturday night. Like the song comes on. It was. It wasn't just about the song like the whole no vibe yeah, the was moment perfect. of being on a yeah. boat you know every this party is already in full yeah. going off i mean the room was packed people are going nuts right. already and then you know this motherfucker throws on why you're always lying and it, it it was just a idea that you could have this out like last week and then by the weekend it's just popping right. with no radio play no nothing so a- apropos of nothing, I just want to say the last time I was on a boat, on a party on a boat, I was trying to convince Monica Lewinsky to go smoke weed with me in a bathroom. <laughs> <What>? So, <laughs> 
Was this before or after the Clinton scandal? Oh, this was after the Clinton scandal. <laughs> what? Yeah. Hold this up. was like three or four years after that. You know. Yeah, this is early two thousands, I think. It shows how long it's been since I've been on a boat. <laughs> it's really is really what that says. More than anything. So did you manage to convince no, her? No, she did not. No? She definitely did not. Why not? Uh, I, a, I don't think she smoked weed. B, yeah. I think I had a friend who was standing next to me with a video camera in her face <laughs> while I was, like, waving a little bag of weed. I mean, it was just a bad scene. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, this, was, this was from a former life. Her, her, uh, her, her boyfriend at the time was a music video director, and my friend worked on the music video. So it was, like, the rap party for the music video. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even tell you what it was, you know, what the video, what the, the video was. It was the next video, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all full circle. <laughs> all right. she, I will say this. In person, she has a presence that does not come through in, the, in photographs. I will say that. A she, presence, yeah, you say. So yes. You felt the disturbance in your own force. She was she was a handsome woman. <laughs> I don't know how to take that, <laughs> yeah. but um, by the look on Jay Smooth's face right now, I think it's time to have a break right here, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. What's up, Fan Bros? This is your girl, Jamie Rigetti, and when I'm not writing novels, I'm listening to Fan Bros Show. And welcome back, fan bros. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. It's uh, quite um, hot up in here tonight, boy. I, don't, I really don't know what other words to use, you know. It's like you went to a party and it's just the wrong type of party tonight. But yeah, we have Chico, Leo, Jay Smooth up in here. And joining us, not leaving Boston, via the world of the internet's we have writer extraordinaire, Twitter legend, and jack of all trades, all kind of other stuff. Dart Adams in the building, in the spaceship tonight. What up? What up? How y'all doing? All Welcome. right. Welcome to the spaceship. Welcome. Thank you. How you doing, Dart? I'm doing very well right now, man. I I quit. I quit journalism, so that was just a weight off my shoulder, man. Wait. I, w- wait. What? What? Right, I yeah, saw man. I saw that on Twitter. Off the yeah. bat, yeah, I had to quit, man. Is no, nah. the problem is that I'm too I'm too Boston, and I take things too serious, too like too personally, especially in this in the space of like rap journalism, where it's like I try to do everything, where it's like um, I try to rep- not misrepresent the culture in any way, shape, or form, and by doing that, I turn down a lot of stuff, and I take a lot of people to task. For misrepresenting things and it was just like i was just burning every bridge possible i was napalming bridges i was like the department of pre-crime napalming bridges that haven't even built yet so it's like <laughs> like i i never wrote for a rap magazine and any rap magazine that's about to be made in the next 18 months i have no chance of ever writing for them either so it was like whatever dude so I saw that on Twitter, and I didn't really know where that had come from, like where, where that started, and uh, how, how did you, I mean, how did that, there must have been some sort of, in, you know, something, an inciting incident or, or, oh. or something. Okay, so two years ago, um, my 38th birthday, coming around my 38th birthday, I wrote a piece dissecting the whole Kendrick Lamar issue from when he dropped his, uh, his verse uh, and, and the song that like it was Big Sean just released it to the world, 
he power, got eight right? alive. No, yeah, uh, yeah. Control. 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 Yeah. So he gets eight alive. Well, I didn't think Sean got eight, but okay. He got eight alive, All and right. he gave that to the world. And Jay Electronica was on there, and you didn't care, which nah. is not mind numbing. Yeah. So he puts a song out there that puts him in a in a negative light, but it makes it elevates Kendrick in every way, shape, or form. And I explained how that was viewed by the millennials, by like rap writers that were under a certain age. And how it was viewed by cats like me, you know, like old heads, original backpackers starting from 91, and those of us that came up in the culture and not like when it was watered down. Like those of us that came up in the culture when uh, people looked at us like we had three heads when we b-boyed. But then after like Flashdance came out and, and Crush Groove, like past that whole stretch, you know, Beach Street and everything else, breaking. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, they're down. But before that, when we were b-boying in the street in 83, everybody thought we were weird. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we came up through that whole era, and I was explaining our view and how we saw it through our lens. And it was like 20, like 2,000 words or something like that. And it was like a whole bunch of pagination. And when I saw how people, the people I wrote it for, the readership, uh, took it, they didn't understand it. And they thought it was written by KRS-One because the the headline was a quote, hip-hop versus rap. And then I did the quote, KRS-One. But my my name is very is, is very visible in the byline. So I realized, I was like, yo, I need to get out of this. So for two years, I worked slowly weaning myself off of this space because I was like the old man in the club. And this was not a space for me to be writing in anymore. I needed to just go straight to books and do lectures. Hmm. All right. So that. So are you gonna write? I mean, are you gonna write? I mean, are you about the same stuff, just in books and uh, yeah. and do lectures? And you just so the journalism is out. You so now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's out. This, there's no. It, it made no sense. It's like the things I could write about on Twitter and not have to worry about trying to pitch it to somebody who's gonna lie to me because they're not gonna want to buy it because they already know that if they try to put it on their blog, no one's gonna read it because basically what it is is if you're a long form writer. You're basically writing for non-readers because everything else that they put up to do busy work to keep the views up, they have they have young writers going in shifts, posting up nothing, just to keep viewership up so that they can have their ad revenue. It's like the Matrix. It's like they're just taking people, they're taking them out the farms, they're bringing them, they're connecting them, they're using them as batteries, and then when they they liquefy them and then they feed them to the young. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, that that's the dopest uh, analogy for journalism. <laughs> the state of journalism that I've heard in a long time, I have to say. Oh, I, um, have, I have so many, man. I have yeah. So many. Nine years nine years of frustration. I have so many. And I know a lot about sci-fi, so I can go all day. So what about writing a book about your experience in, in, in the, the, you know, the rap journalism game? Uh, I mean, basically, I have... My problem is that um I don't really sleep a lot, and I remember damn near everything that happened from 30 months on, from when I could start reading. So um if you've ever seen the movie, um what's the movie, where uh, Limitless. So if you've ever seen the film Limitless, where the guy's memory is like, he remembers like everything, he can recall everything, that's kind of my reality. Only problem is that it can drive you crazy. Like, um... What's the perfect example? So Malcolm X, Wes and Archie, remember when he forgot one thing and that just set him on this like downward spiral? 
Yep. Yeah. No. The, the, the numbers. The numbers. Yeah. 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 So my I have to be super organized because I can't forget anything because I'm afraid that will happen to me and I can't shut my brain off, which is why I don't sleep that much. So it's it's doubly weird for me, and it's also why I can recall minutia, just like so easily because but I can't remember stuff like I'll leave the house and I'll be thinking of something some big some big thing and Einstein did this too a lot of people have this issue um and I'll be thinking of some big idea and and trying to break it down and decompose it and I'll be down the street because I walk real fast and I'm like wait did I lock the door nah man I, I feel you like I feel, definitely feel you on the non-sleeping thing because I definitely do not sleep at all but uh, I want to know, like, because of, like, your, like, I, I won't say disgust or whatever with the rap journalism world and everything. Uh, it's disgust. It's All definitely right, well, disgust. You know, we'll go with disgust. Like, how do you feel about, like, the current state of, like, just geek culture? Because you're just distrusted with, like, you know, rap culture. So what about geek culture right now? Okay, how is that so, for you? okay, here's my issue with what we call geek culture and how it's viewed and the lens is viewed through um, nowadays. So when I was, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, uh, when I was coming up, uh, you got branded instantly a geek or a nerd if you liked certain things. And I always, and I never quite understood that because my understanding of it was if you were only a geek or a nerd based on your social interaction skills or your lack of them, or if you weren't well-rounded. So my background was growing up in the South End, Lower Roxbury in Boston, where um, my mother was like a math genius who came from Alabama and moved here and couldn't get a job in any of the tech industry or anything because she was a black woman. And that really pissed people off that she was black and a woman. And she could do math like in her head and like barely needed a slide rule. This is how long ago this was, the 60s. Um, and my father was an immigrant from Honduras who came with his brothers and his sister and... Um, my father was just like a technical genius to the point where he worked on refrigeration systems. He worked on refrigeration systems for like uh, things that went to NASA, that worked in NASA. He worked on guns, like refrigeration systems, cooling systems for guns. Then he became a computer programmer. So like my father never got anything less than an A. And coming up in that background is like, I never thought of knowing things as something that was looked down on. But also growing up in the South End, Lower Roxbury, Boston is one of the fist fight capitals of Earth. Uh, Boston is equal parts Athens and Sparta. <laughs> and um, so I couldn't grow up here just being book smart. Like, and I grew up on the edge of Chinatown in a place called the Combat Zone. So we fought like we street fought. Like, I fought in the street. You know, like, if kids had beef with each other and you tried to, like, turn the other cheek, your older brothers or sisters or cousins would call each other on the phone and be like, no, 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 they got to fight. And they would take you out and they would bring you somewhere to meet and you two kids would fight it out and then shake hands and then they'd bring you home because you couldn't be a punk and, and, and back out of a fight. And I grew up around New Edition and Mike Bi and Bivens and all those other cats were like, nah, dog, you're going to be tall. You got to play ball. So I had to play basketball. But I was growing up around these kids in a time where everybody was in like um, everybody was in R&B groups because in Boston, the big thing was on the, um, the talent shows. So I had to be in like talent shows. I had to learn how to dance. I was a B-boy. 
and being into comic books and and Japanese cartoons, it was all part of the culture. Kung Fu flicks, everything. So we were really nerd geek kids about everything, and we were forced to be. We didn't have any. We didn't have a choice, dude. Back in the days, how many channels did we have? Five. five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three to five. Yeah, and what was always on? So you had VHF, which barely came in, and UHF. And on UHF in Boston, we had this thing called um, Creature Double Feature and Kung Fu Theater. So that means that we grew up watching Gamera. We grew up watching uh, Godzilla, Mothra, uh, Mecha Godzilla, all those movies. Then we grew up watching like every like the Creature from the Deep, uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, all these different movies. And then we watched every movie from Golden Harvest to the um, Shaw Brothers in between. And then we saw all the movies from like Bruce Lee or the Bruce Lee replacements, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lai, Bruce Lee, We Miss You, Super Dragon, all the movies you can't find today. They call me Bruce. They call me Bruce, you know? Like, so we had all this stuff that wasn't really considered geek culture. Like, wrestling? We, I watched wrestling back when they used to come on and someone would bleed and a big red X would go over the screen. It was, this was normal. So when we got older and this was like uh, marginalized, I'm like, dude, every kid grew up wrestling. We grew up watching like Iron Mike Sharp or we turned to Channel 25 in Boston where uh, WCW had a special Texas promotion. And we didn't realize that it was WCW. We thought it was just dun, 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 dun. the Von Erics, uh, the Freebirds, Gino Hernandez. You know, Junkyard Dog was there before he ended up in WWF full time because he wrestled in the Texas uh, promotion that uh, that region. So, like, all this stuff was normal for us. So when I look at it now that this is all promoted as different geek culture or, or this is stuff that people like had to make normal. We didn't look down on each other for any of this stuff. I knew dudes that would shoot somebody and then be like, yo, you read Iron Man 134? But you don't think that's like more the case now, like where people are more in, you know, like now it's like become so mainstream. Yeah, I think it's weird because um, it's now mainstream. But I mean, I look back at when it was normalized. Uh, the late 80s when, okay, so as we all know, everybody in this room knows. There was a stretch where Marvel got, it got corny. It got boring. The same way when we saw WWF got corny, when Hulk Hogan kept coming back the same way, and we all moved to WCW or NWA Wrestling, the same way we kind of moved away from Marvel when we moved to DC and more the graphic novels. Because that's when, you know, like V for Vendetta was coming out and, and uh, like The Killing Joke and like all the early graphic novels, uh, starting with like uh, Watchmen came out. So that so we had that wave, and then there was Akira that came in to change the whole bunch of stuff, like in the late eighties. And then like what normalized everything was that stretch when Marvel came back around ninety ninety one, and everything was about Lee Field and, and all Lee, the other yeah, yeah. Jim Lee and everybody before they finally jumped ship and they started their own companies. But that whole stretch where, like, Spider-Man, X-Force, like, they brought back people to Marvel. And then, like, the comic book explosion happened, just like it did with, like, baseball cards. That's when the normalization began. And it was all ushered in by 1989 when they, when they um, did the Batman movie. Then the next summer, they came back with Dick Tracy. 
And so comic book movies were a thing. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, and they had their cartoon, and they had their, their movie. So everything got normalized starting from the early 90s. And so it wasn't really geek culture anymore because there was a generation of kids that grew up with this stuff. Whereas before, they could try to say that it was like something nerdy, but it really wasn't because we all grew up with it. So like when I look at it now, where everything is so mainstream, where you can go to a comic book movie and nobody has anything bad to say about it because everybody's into it, it's weird because the fact of the matter is that there's still different groups in there where it's like you still have the hardcore fanboys like myself who who will go to the grave saying there's never been I've never seen the X-Men on screen. I don't care how many X-Men movies they make. Those are not the X-Men. And I hate every single X-Men movie ever made. Wow, really? Because usually you find people who come down on one side, you know, either the early, the Brian Singer ones, they like those, or they like the later ones. They're all horrible. You say they're all horrible? Right. They're all horrible. You don't like First Class? They're all horrible. Yeah, I don't like First Class. I especially hate First Class. Wow. They're all horrible. Um, I hate them because, okay, 1982, I'm introduced. I've already, I was reading X-Men like 79. I could read in 78. So it's like, in 1982, I was introduced to this graphic novel called God Loves, Man Kills. Right. And in the opening panels, there are these two young black children running from somebody who's trying to kill them. And they end up getting killed. And you find out the reason they get, they get killed is not because they're black. It's because they're mutants. That blew my mind. I think I was seven or eight when I first read that. That blew my mind. And... Chris, Chris Claremont and his treatment of the X-Men, to me, that is the gold standard for for storytelling in the X-Men universe. And if I see a film and I don't see the X-Men interact the way the X-Men do in classic X-Men books, if I don't see the same interplay between characters, if I don't see like the banter, if I don't see like that they're a family, but they have issues... But they're also heroes. If I don't see that, if I don't get drawn in by that the same way it sucked me in and made me read the book for 30 plus years, then I don't have any. I have no. When I watch it on uh, on the screen, it's garbage to me. But see, I would disagree there because I like whenever people say that, that just becomes one of those things where you're never going to. For one, your imagination is always to be stronger than, you know, reading something is always to be stronger than the only time. Only time the book is better than the film, the film is better than the book is like Debbie Does Dallas. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's the only time it's ever gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? Oh no, Debbie Does Dallas. The book like the novel oh, movie you know, was better. The Debbie Does better. Dallas the novels. You know that's some strong writing right there. <laughs> and he's from Texas. Yeah, you know that, that holds a dear place in my heart. <laughs> yes. The what about the cartoon? Yeah, yeah. to the porn discussion. Yes. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> what about the X Men cartoon? Always. Okay, so the X Men cartoon I actually liked. Yeah. The X Men cartoon I actually liked. Um, Who would have thought? Now, well, now, now, how big of a fan of the X Men cartoon was I? If you follow me on Twitter, I actually tweeted out the anniversary of the release of Pride of the X Men. The first episode that was wow. released by Sunbow and um, Marvel, and it became a VHS that was sold in um, comic book stores. And yeah, I remember everything. So um, I remember when it came out, and now nowadays people like remember VHSs sometimes costing nineteen ninety five or twenty four ninety five. No, 
VHSs used to run anywhere between sixty four ninety five yeah. to seventy nine ninety five, yeah. yeah. and the price for the Pride of the X Men didn't drop for years. And by the time it did finally drop down to like a respectable twenty four ninety five or nineteen ninety five, the X Men cartoon was on TV and people were taping it, so no one cared. Yeah, I bought a bootleg of that actually at a convention. <laughs> I actually bought a bootleg of the Pride of the X Men, so I, I I know what you're. I mean, I, yeah, no, and I remember. Before- and Pride of the X-Men, y'all got to remember, man, that was the basis for the X-Men um, arcade game. Yep, definitely. All, the, all, the, all the screen grabs, the, the cells, everything like that, that, that was all used in that, if you, if you look at it. So I love the – DC really kicks Marvel's ass in the cartoon department, too. So uh, Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that, that's like – that's not even an ass kick. Yeah. That's like yeah. a slaughterhouse, like yeah. some pigs being thrown into a fucking meat grinder. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, it's, not. it's really, it's really depressing, kind of. Yeah, sense. there's not even like Marvel hasn't had a. I can't really think of a decent animated thing to Marvels. Uh, oh wait, Earth Mightiest Heroes. Stuff. Earth Mightiest yeah. Heroes would yeah. really do it. They they have decent stuff. The problem is that the decent stuff, like the decent stuff, doesn't even like. It pales in comparison to the worst thing DC did, which is really sad. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. Huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the X-Men cartoon was on the same time as a Batman animated series, right? And, of the... course, the Batman yeah, animated series. If we're going to put the Batman animated yeah. series Batman animated series side by side with the X-Men, yeah. uh, X-Men's Batman trash. animated series, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. like, it's like Final Fantasy VII versus, like... Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not even close. It's really sad. It's really disappointing. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to have much more with Dart after this quick break, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. Show. Yo, Chico, have you heard about Fan Bros doing those big events at New York Super Week? Yeah, I heard about that. When is that? October 5th, 6th, and 7th. All three nights? All three nights. All different events? All different events. All live? All live. Tell the people about them. Well, first up on October 5th, we got Attack of the Con, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Then October 6th, it's the Black Girl Nerds versus Fan Bros Live podcast. And on the 7th, it's the Fan Bros present the Crossplay Cosplay Contest. Crossplay Cosplay? That's right. You can find out more about that and the rest of these dope-ass events at NewYorkSuperWeek.com. Come Internet to this very special episode of Fan Bros Show. We got Chico Leo, Kim Sonian, Jay Smooth, and the legend himself, Dart Adams, in the spaceship tonight. It is a room full of dudes. You That's know, unfortunate. I, yeah, I know, let, me, man. let me just say, for the record, it, 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 they were definitely discussing off mic that this is not intentional. They're no, not looking for no. that. It just happened to turn out that way. It re- Yo, this is like my worst nightmare fan bro show ever come to life right here. <laughs> well, look, we, we had two women last week. We had Jamie Rigetti yes. in the house and Tatiana King. And, and that's like know. my dream of fan bro show. Right. And now this is the nightmare. So, you know, you got to, you know, the good comes with the bad. Um, and also, that what is coming good, coming with bad, is my favorite segment. <laughs> this week in the N word. 
Oh, boy. That's right. This week in the N-word, man. Dart, I don't know if you know about this segment, but, you know, as you can imagine, we have candidates galore every week. People are just vying to get to the top spot. But this week, it looks like it's going to have to go to, you know, somebody I used to really like and, you know, think was funny and entertaining and, you know, part of a legendary family and everything. Mr. Damon Wayans. Oh, God. Yeah, you already know where this is going, Dark. Yes, yeah. yes, I do. Yeah, well, Damon Wayans, for those who don't know and didn't realize he was still amongst us, the living, decided <laughs> to crawl out from underneath his rock this week to defend Bill Cosby victims. No, defend Bill Cosby, not the victims. Oh, yeah, true indeed. Yeah, let yeah. me get that right. Yeah, because yeah. he had no intention of defending <laughs> no. the victims. Nah, he had no. none of that. He did give him a little quick seven-second shout-out. You know, I hope you get your justice. You know, but that was about all they got after he called them unrapable, which was like. Just, and wouldn't back down. Oh, wouldn't. No, double down. You know, talked about how, you know, look at these women. You know, he's been famous. Women throw themselves at you. The 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 one that really just blew, the, where it just went like, oh, okay, Damon, you are just a, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say psychopath is not the word. You're just silly with it. But uh, he said, you know, this is what happened. You know, Bill, you know, he's 82 now. You know, the thing don't work as much. So, you know, he can't lay the pipe anymore. So now these women, you know, they scream and rape. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just dude. No. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> so bad. So the really bad part about this is that, um, so uh, I don't know. Living in Boston makes everything weird because the Cosbys lived in Massachusetts. Because mm. and Bill Cosby was like really a big proponent. Like he was like a re- really big like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was just like uh, he was like one of the main guys that pushed like University of Massachusetts. Mm. You know what I'm okay, saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and um, his family. Um, he was always in Massachusetts. People used to go and talk to him and try to get him to to donate money to stuff. And um, we used to hear about the weird shit that happened with them all the time. And we would no. hear stories about Bill Cosby all the time. So when he, so the, the first stories that started coming out about Bill Cosby for me were like the nineties. And I remember when the Cosby show ended and I had heard like three things about just around the Cosby show, but they got squashed quickly because he is a team. Um, so what happened was he did a show called Cosby. And there was a woman who was a guest star on the show, and she came out and she said, um, yeah, guys, um, he tried to drug me. Wow. And nobody believed her. Now, there, those of us, some of us in Boston were like, yo, uh, guys, I wouldn't throw that, you know what I'm saying, just toss that out. Because we've been hearing stories about cause for years, going yeah. back, like back in the days. And nobody listened to that woman. And then more stories kept coming out. More stories start coming out. And people kept squashing those and throwing those to the side. And then what happens is the age of, um, in the age of, uh, like, real-time social media, all it took was one joke, which this was common. I thought it was common knowledge. Um, one joke from a comedian uh, and Hannibal Buress. And people went and actually investigated. Hannibal says it. He was like, if you Google Bill Cosby rapist, you'll come up with X, Y, and Z. Now, when I heard that joke, I was like, yeah, 
like that's right like this is this is something we've known about here and the knowledge we've been privy to for years so the sad part is that if you're a certain age and you grew up and bill cosby is your idol and you grew up watching uptown saturday night and you watched the cosby show and there was a time when you knew as a black dude or a black person that you couldn't achieve but bill cosby was there at the forefront and he just like cleared a path for you to succeed then you'll never ever ever want to entertain the idea that could be the person, even if he is, and he did it over, you can't probably you know, stop hearing on all that. This is really my stupid look at it. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. Yeah, I, it boggles my mind. I mean, in New York, I feel like I, I heard stuff right around the time that his son Ennis was killed. And then because there was a whole bunch of sympathy for for Cosby, uh, that stuff got squashed around then. And I can't remember when that was. I feel like that was the mid-90s. But that was when I first heard or I read people who definitely were making allusions to the fact that, you know, there were multiple women out there accusing him of drugging and drugging them and then, you know, raping them. But it was always like very much couched. You know, he was still Bill Cosby back then. So even outside of Boston, yeah, I, no, I feel like that knew. stuff. Had, I mean, yeah. I know people who worked in the TV industry yes. who said not only will they say that it was well known, but that everyone who was in the industry knows women who are not one of the ones that are in the news right now. Jesus. Like they can all say, "Oh, well, remember what happened with Natasha?" Like it was wide. Exactly. It was well known, and I think. It's been revisited because of social media's ability for people to revisit and our society's understanding of what constitutes rape and that rape culture is a thing has shifted enough that when people revisit, they understand something that, as sick as it sounds, 20, 30 years ago, people would know about it and say, hey, that's showbiz. Yeah. Now people look yeah. at it and say, oh, you know what? This is actually messed up and there are consequences. And that's, to me, what's like... I'm shocked but not surprised that Damon Wayans holds all these lo loathsome <laughs> views about women. What surprises me the most is that he doesn't understand you can't say shit like that out loud anymore. Yeah, right. How out of touch? Like, you at least need to know to keep some shit like that to yourself in 2015. I mean, it's like, yo, dude, like, I mean, for one, you're a black man. Like, it's like you, you should know from, you know, 19, I mean, 1866 that you can't say shit in America. You know, like, if you, and you can't say something. That is going to get your own people are going to be like, yo, B, you know, like, what the fuck? So, yeah, uh, big shout out to Damon Wayans for making this week in the N-word. And pretty much, yo, have a big laugh so shut the fuck up. And I, and I just, can I just say, I don't understand. I mean, look, I don't understand being so detached from women's humanity to say any exactly. of that stuff in the first place. But I also don't understand how many people want to ride this, how many, specifically how many black people, how many black men want to ride this hard for a man Yo. who does not ride for us. No. At all. He does not, Bill Cosby does not respect Damon Wayans. No, not ja at all. Jamila Lemieux did a great piece in Ebony this week about how Bill Cosby had to go Google Damon Wayans to even know what was going <laughs> oh, on. Right? That's not, this is not, this is not loyalty that's reciprocated by the man that you're riding off of this cliff for. So I just, I don't understand any of it. Big shout out to Jamal. I ran into her this weekend. Ate you in the house? I Most went to definitely. Morgan. Oh, you know, hey, man, it happens. 
<laughs> no, he's not lying. He's not lying. At Morgan, we would go to Howard's stuff and then stand around with our arms folded mad. Why is stuff so good? Yo, that's how we felt when we went to University of Maryland, though, for real. We'd be like, come on, man. This, oh, no, oh, we this, were all there. We yeah. were all there with arms folded at University of Maryland. Man, that was just terrible. Yo, they I, had everything. Oh, my God. They had towels that they made their own milk from. This is a true <laughs> fucking story. Oh, my God. Yo, had everything. The word. Well, Dart, you are here on Fanbro Show in the hot seat. It is time for the brap segment. Are you ready? Born ready. Word up. All right. Like that attitude. Number one, the Falcon or War Machine? <sighs> Damn it. The rapid fire. Um, okay. <laughs> I got to go. Ugh. I got to go with War Machine, even though Falcon was around first and he was the hero of Harlem. But I got to go with War Machine just because War Machine. True indeed. Magneto or Professor X? I got to go with Magneto because Professor X kept dying and the Shear kept replacing his body parts and he could walk and then he can't walk and he gets killed and he's back alive. And Magneto's been around the whole time. So, Magneto. Yeah, Professor X has had his bat broke at least five different times right. in the Marvel exactly. comics. <laughs> that alone is a miracle. And the first was by his brother. Is Juggernaut. Yeah, Juggernaut, Juggernaut does the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, right? I think, I think, yeah, I think he, like, calls it the cave-in or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, his own half-brother, Kane Marco. That's right. Okay, Degrassi or My So-Called Life? This is the big one, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Degrassi, Degrassi, Degrassi. My so-called <laughs> life was great, and it like defined the '90s. But Degrassi spanned from 1979 all the way until now, and has another iteration coming out straight on um, Netflix. So definitely Degrassi. Wow. Oh, right. there's wait, there's a third generation. There's technically a fourth. Yeah, it's a fourth generation. Yeah, wow. wow. I'm, I'm only up on the original Zit Remedies first year. Yeah. That technically is a second generation. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Thulsa Doom or Doctor Doom? I gotta go with Doctor Doom. A Thulsa Doom, however, is an iconic black villain. Uh, have, have you ever have you come close to deciphering the riddle of the steel? He was a black dude with straight hair, man. Right. In the in the Sumerian age, I mean, it doesn't get no better than that. Hot combs weren't that easy to find <laughs> no. back then. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He was probably pressing his shit between two rocks. <laughs> Hot rocks. Hot, Hot rocks. rocks for real. All right, uh, Luke Cage or the Black Panther? Wow. Yeah, with your icon, this might Ooh. be a little tough. Uh, <laughs> I got to go with Black Panther because Black Panther is basically the Wakandan version of Batman. And Better. Luke Cage. <sighs> with Luke Cage, man, it's between like, I don't know, because it's not just Luke Cage. For me, it's Luke Cage. It comes down to Luke Cage and Vic Stone. Mm. Who is who is the cyborg? Yeah, but no, nobody, no, nah, no. Nah. Without T'Challa, we have we have no Luke Cage. So definitely, I gotta go with T'Challa. Vic Stone cannot compare to Luke Cage either, though. I'm, eh. Yeah, but we gotta talk about the Teen Titans versus the X Men in that whole era 
because that was that was really a fight for kids. We had to buy both those comic books. Damn, sure did. And that's a question. That's that's on our yeah, list. Te- on the question, Teen so. Titans or X Men? Or new Teen, teen, new or teen Titan, New Teen Titans or Uncanny X Men? Yeah, Uncanny X Men all the way. Um, yeah. But New Teen Titans. The difference with the New Teen Titans for me was that um, it was a lot grittier, and a lot more things happened. Like there was no Slade. It was Deathstroke, the Terminator. Right. They dealt with a whole lot of gritty stuff that they wouldn't even touch in um the New Mutants, which is another reason why I don't. If they ever say that like they made the New Mutants just to make the New Mutants do, they made the New Mutants because they were getting pressured. Because the new Teen Titans was putting heat on them. Because they mm. knew that in the streets, even Marvel heads were buying the new Teen Titans. I could tell you every issue of New Teen Titans. I could tell you the issue I got when it was the origin of um of Cyborg. I could tell you everything that happened. I could tell you about the 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 drug issue, the special drug issue with the protector in it. Like we were all, we were rocking with them, the new Teen Titans, but definitely X Men. Most definitely. Uh, the Wire or Breaking Bad? <sighs> Gotta go with the Wire, but it's close. But definitely the Wire, hmm, because God. the difference with the Wire and Breaking Bad is that I watched the Corner before the Wire, mm-hmm. and when I saw Breaking Bad, I saw parallels between uh, Breaking Bad and the Wire. But definitely, I have to give the nod to the Wire over Breaking Bad, even though both are great. And Narcos, I say Narcos is the Wire X Breaking Bed. Mm, wait, wait, are oh, you got to spell on that one? The way that Narcos is laid out, it's parts why the Wire and parts Breaking Bed because you see the people trying to get at them, then you see the people actually doing the Narcos themselves actually doing things, mm-hmm. but then you see the Narcos and their motivations yep. and how they're trying to navigate the world. And the change and how everything changes from both sides. So I feel it's both elements of Breaking Bad and The Wire. Most definitely. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Okay. Um, my answer to that is Battlestar Galactica. Nice. Oh. Uh, and, I, and I'll explain oh. that. In de- I'll explain that in semi detail. Um, coming up, I watched Star Wars. I mean, I watched all the movies, and I thought that Han Solo was the man, but I also thought that his boy sold them out. So when we were kids playing, um, there were only a few black folks in space we could beat. Um, so you either had to be Lando Calrissian the snitch, or you could be <laughs> General Ty and Boomer. And Boomer, yep. And we always chose to be Ty and Boomer. We didn't want to be the snitch dude who, who sold out Han Solo. And the other part, <laughs> and the other part being is, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but I was a kid when I first saw Star Wars, and I first saw um, Empire Strikes Back, and I saw the final piece, the, the Return of the Jedi. Now, I loved them as a kid. <clears throat> as I grew up and I became a teenager, they got cornier and cornier to the point where I couldn't mess with any of the trilogy, really. Except for The Empire Strikes Back. I feel The Empire Strikes Back is one of the best movies of the 80s and easily the best of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the best of the yeah, trilogy. But like, I gravitated in, in, when I got older to stuff like um, Blade Runner, Dune, don't ask me why. Yeah, um, You know, like, like that type of stuff versus like the Star Wars trilogy, which I feel was really like commercial, super commercial. So for me, 
Star Trek is great, and I love the series. I especially love like Deep Space Nine and all the other iterations on television. But for me, it all comes down to Battlestar Galactica, and especially, especially the sci-fi version. Right. The sci-fi version of Battlestar Galactica for me is is the best. And I put like only thing I put right below it is probably like Firefly. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's that's my joint. Um, Scarface the rapper. Or Scarface the movie? Scarface the rapper. Oh. DJ Action, Brad Johnson, Scarface. Jordan, Brad Jordan. Brad Jordan, Brad Jordan, Scarface, all the way. All right. Um, some people call him the king of the south. I think he's the king of the southwest. Mm, as a Houstonian, I would have to say he's probably the best rapper. One of the top five ever, but, you know, that's just me. So Yeah. yeah. I know. That's totally, that's totally viable, man. Yeah. He, he's a legend. Never made a whack album. No. Never. Ever. Buy his new joint. It's hot. Okay. Favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Whoa. <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> this is tough. Uh, y'all, yeah, basically, this, this, was, this was a question made especially for me. Um, <laughs> we're about to approach the 25th anniversary of um, King of New York, mm. which is a really overlooked Wesley Snipes, Snipes film. Um, his entire, I feel his entire over, yeah, I'm using that word. Over is um really underrated by yes, yes. He, he deserves a statue next to Bokeem Woodbine <laughs> All right, well, in that's Harlem. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Between... No, no, no. Bokeem doesn't deserve no statues. <laughs> no, Bokeem Woodbine definitely deserves a statue. <laughs> For what? <laughs> Dude, have you have you do you follow me on Twitter? No. <laughs> Bokeem Woodbine's a national treasure. But um but uh, but Wesley Snipes, okay, my favorite Wesley Snipes movie of all time. What's your favorite Bokeem Woodbine movie? Dude, we'll be here all day. Um, so (laughs) I want to see him on an episode of like of like uh Game of Thrones. You'll pass me my broadsword, son. Oh my god, that'd be the greatest. (laughs) If they gave him like fate dreads or something. Him and Makai Pfeiffer smacking smacking their hands together (laughs) for each in their hands for syllable uh emphasis on each syllable. Look, B go and go find these dragons, alright? <laughs> um, so yeah, that. But I have to say, my favorite Wesley Snipes movie of all time—not because it's the best Wesley Snipes movie ever made, but because of what it did. Period for like culture, I have to give it the Blade, the first Blade film, because without that, the comic book movies were dead. Comic book movies died summer '97 after uh, uh, what was it, Steel, and um, Spawn. They were dead. And Wesley Snipes went to Avia Rod and Stan Lee and took up a property blade that no one cared about. And he made his own film and it made like 15 times the budget and it kickstarted everything for Marvel. And that's how they were able to make um, the X Men, the first X Men film in 2000. So for me, Wesley Snipes' Blade. All right. Uh, if, uh, sorry, yeah. If if the world got taken over, would you rather get taken over by aliens or super intelligent apes? Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> aliens. aliens. Well, part of it is because, I don't know, man, being a, being a Gen Xer, we already thought that the world was going to go into nuclear war anyway, and we were going to be post-apocalyptic, like, warlords on this, like, on this just, like, wasteland you know what I'm saying? Just doing that. So right. it's like, I always thought aliens were going to attack. And I never really, even though I loved 
the you know the Planet of the Apes series, man, I never really thought that was gonna happen. I I, I planned for aliens and zombies, but never apes. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Uh. Mm. Okay. Um. If I could have one superpower, I don't want to fly. I don't want to. I don't want to time travel. I want the simplest power that can affect the least, but still have me be like a a, a hero. So I don't know. It's like probably something simple like super strength of regeneration because I don't want any more responsibility than I actually absolutely have. Matter of fact, if I had super strength, I'm going to have a whole lot of responsibility because I'm in Boston um, and I'm just going to do a whole bunch of stuff, fight crime and shit. Um, damn. I'll probably have like, oh, okay, Cypher, the power of Cypher. That's <laughs> like... Wait, is I that the language? That yeah, that's Doug. Dude, I could just be at Harvard. Doug Ramsey. And I, could, I could just be at Harvard and I could be at MIT and I could just help people do stuff and I don't have to touch shit. Yeah, so Cypher's power. All Give right. me that. Big shout out to Doug Ramsey. And actually, I got to ask this question because you brought him up because it's at, that's actually the answer for me to this next one. What fictional character death struck you the worst? Woo! Um... This is a tough one. Um, oh, oh, uh, I think it's a tie between Elektra and um, do you remember in Marvel? They had a uh, dead this woman who always wore a beret and worked for the Jean DeWolf. Jean DeWolf. Jean DeWolf. Yeah. That hurt me Senator. to my core. Yeah. yeah Sin Eater murked um, Jean DeWolf. Yeah. That hurt me to my core because she was such a great character. And and the Marvel and um I did not expect them to do that. Just so and, you, yeah, that was a tough one. Man. I I, I want to say I'm pretty sure that Jim Owsley wrote that, who became yeah. Christopher Priest. Christopher oh. Priest and Jim Owsley are the same person. He yeah. changed his name when he got divorced, and yep. he's literally the you know at the time. I don't I don't know if Dwayne McDuffie was writing I don't uh, think at the so time. You know, then. so we're talking definitely one of the one one of you know probably the first or one of the first you know black writers who wrote it, that storyline was writing then though. He wrote uh, Damage Control back then. Right, right. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. So yeah, but just to, props to uh, to Owsley slash Priest uh, who doesn't get enough credit, and part no of it is, part of it no is because of his name. You know, like people don't realize that it's the same guy. Yeah, it's uh, funny because back in those days, um, Marvel Marvel writers used to go and do like the one-off novels for people, and they used to use pen names just to make extra money. And it's it's just hilarious when you look at it. It's like, dude, you didn't realize they were even doing that in like right. in the comic book world. All right, Dart. Well, you have survived the brap segment. Thank you for joining us here on Fan Bros Show. No and, doubt. Uh, you know, let the people out there know where they can find you at. Uh, okay, so I'm on Twitter at Dart underscore Adams. I'm on Instagram at Dart underscore Adams. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on Vine. Um, basically, you can find anything I'm doing right now on um, producersiknow.bandcamp.com. You can go read my old stuff on um, Medium, but I ain't putting anything else up there. Uh that's pretty much it. If you just follow me on Twitter, you'll probably find out everything else you need to know about me. Before you go, just real quick, do you have any thoughts on this Whitey Bulger movie coming out? Um, uh, since you're, you know, you're definitely all Boston all the time. 
Yeah. Um, my take on it is that I am sick of everything having to do with the Winter Street Gang and a uh, Boston Irish and Italian mobsters. I don't care. Right. Uh, the movies made the movies called uh, Black Mass, and I really wish they would make films about black people in Massachusetts. How um, nice. There's so many different stories yes. to tell about Boston and Massachusetts. Uh, to this day, people ask me, like, how come I don't have an accent and I don't talk like Pac the Cod, Havajad? And they ask me, <laughs> do black people or Latinos live in Boston? And I have to explain to them that Latinos, especially Puerto Ricans, lived in Boston first, starting in 1898. The first city that had any uh, a sizable uh, Puerto Rican population in all of America was Boston. Uh, between the the 10s and the 20s. So it's like, there's so many stories to tell in Boston. I mean, so many different... Yeah, where's the Crispus Attucks movie? I mean, he's the he's the first you know person who died in the American Revolution. Yeah, and, you Crispus know. Attucks decided to run out with his white pals and throw snowballs. Somebody right. got shot. It got his chest blown open. Right. I mean, there's so. <laughs> but many he has a story. I mean, I think yeah, he, he had like much of a movie. he had a Native so American but, wife but so does, and a black. So does wife. Peter Salem. Peter yes. Salem has an incredible story. Right. You know, um, uh, uh, Paul Cuff Cuffy has a t- has an amazing story. There's so like. The home of black history in America is Boston. Maurice Starr. Um, Ma- yes. The new edition biopic, which I'm going to write. Yes. Um, that's going to be epic. And I know that they're doing something with BET, but Bobby's not going to be involved. And that's just ridiculous. If anybody knows anything about that whole group and anything. But there's so many stories to tell about Boston. I lived through a whole bunch of them. And... Yay! Another story about a bunch of white guys who hate Negroes, and there's going to be busing and blah blah blah. And meanwhile, we're still just going to be an underrepresented, you know, group of people wondering how can we have so many people who matriculated from Boston or from Boston in the entertainment world in Hollywood who are producers, writers, directors, people with power, and they're cracking out the same damn story. So that's my feeling on Black Mass. I don't really care. All right, word up. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Dart. Yeah, thanks so much. No doubt. And we're going to take another quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Hey, Fan Bros. My name is JJ McCorvey, and when I'm not writing and editing at Fast Company, I am listening to the Fan Bros Show. And welcome back, fan bros. I hope you've been enjoying this episode. Big shout out to Dark Adams for joining us. But now, you know, we got to get to our news of the week. Everything that's fit to print, even though we don't print any of this. You know, big shout out to Tatiana. She's not here tonight. So, you know, nothing happened in the world of tech, basically. That's all it is. You know, when she's not here, nothing that's happens. That's right. Keep it moving. So, uh, there's a lot going on in TV, though, man. Um... Mr. Robot, you know, a fan bro show favorite. That's right. So Mr. Robot finished up this 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 week, uh, this last week, uh, and we didn't do a special delivery. Uh, apologies to everyone, but uh, it was a holiday weekend, and uh, we had a finale of which everyone here in the room has seen. Yep. So uh, what what did you think, DJ Benjamin? Oh. I, I mean, I, you know, Mr. Robot is still so far my favorite show of the year. You know, I don't think that anything is going to top it. Um, I was having a real in- interesting discussion about this, though, about uh, entertainment 
And does optimism need to be in a form of entertainment? Like, you know, there's there need to be any optimism. And I really love Mr. Robot because it brings to the forefront so many issues that I'm concerned with, you know, outside of entertainment. But I'm not sure if there is any optimism in Mr. Robot or if there even needs to be because I'm so happy that at least these issues are being brought out to the forefront and people are talking about it. But as far as the finale, I was kind of disappointed, I have to say. Like, overall, compared to the rest of the whole series, I thought that they were really like, okay, well, now you got to wait for season two. Uh, Spoiler alert, I really didn't like them starting up the whole thing with Tyrell and is he part of, you know, um, Elliot's subconscious, what's really going on there. Even though, in my opinion, it's pretty obvious that Tyrell is a separate person. But I didn't like that they kind of made that mystery, and I didn't like him, you know, opening the door at the end of the episode to see, and you don't know who's there, and just this huge cliffhanger that really wasn't like a dope-ass cliffhanger. Now, wait, did you watch past the door knocking? Because, you know, there was a whole coda at the yeah, end. Yeah, but even the coda really didn't, you know. Well, I, so I thought, I, I don't know, I thought that the episode, it was sort of like you just said, there were, there were it left you with more questions than answers, which reminded me of, like, Lost. Like, yeah. the f- end of first season of Lost when they discover the hatch. Yeah. And this one, like, whoever it is at the door, we're assuming it's Tyrell, but also the whole bringing in the B.D. Wong White Rose character as, you know, one of these, you know, millionth of one percenters and yeah. um which i thought was dope no i love i love the bd one character um, so i'm happy to see you know him return i i really i enjoyed the i enjoyed the finale although i was a little disappointed that more was not answered i thought it was really cool i think like you i think it's the best show of the year I think it might be the best show since Breaking Bad, and I I, I really liked the what they started the episode, and the uh, the hack had already happened. Like yeah. in a lot of other shows, they would show you the guy, the whole thing would be about them pressing the button and the us seeing it all, ha- and and it just it already happened, and we find out it happened just from a dude watching TV. Mm-hmm. So I, I I mean I really enjoyed it. I I think there's a chance that Tyrell is a figment of Elliot's imagination. When Elliot was talking to Tyrell's wife, yeah. she was sort of smirking and talking to him in Swedish, and so there was almost this notion what she of says like says in him to sweet in Swedish according to Reddit is oh, very important though. And see, what, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, but, I you know looked this up thanks to the internet, and what she says is if you did anything to him, I will kill you. Oh, interesting. Mm. So it is very you know it is very interesting what's going on there and like right. i said i'm not sure but kimston you you disagree no i disagree about the disappointment i thought it was an awesome episode i think the season was awesome they are rewriting tv the way true detective first season rewrote wow TV. no i don't know who is at usa that greenlit this yeah. because on paper how do you pitch a show like this it's all tone it's all in the medium itself that you are realizing how they're changing the game. Um, I, I don't know. This is the best thing I've seen in a long time. It's going to be a long time before I see something. And I thought True Detective was going to – season one, sorry. I always have to I – I hate that I have to say that. Yeah, but you do. Season one, True Detective, and season one, um, you know, Mr. Robot is literally restructuring how TV is written. Yeah. Right, and I, I agree with that. I, I when I said since Breaking Bad, I only I'm skipping uh, True Detective because season two of True Detective was just not up to snuff, you know, to the first one. Sure, I agree with that. 
Jay, what'd you feel? I mean, I, I didn't love the finale or hate it. I thought it was cool. I didn't walk away mad, but I wasn't blown away in the way that I have been yes. by the highlights of the series up until now. Um, I mean, I so, the way that it played out at the end, I start to worry, can we juggle this many plot threads right. as you keep adding them in without it turning into a lost? Like, I, I, want, I want to believe a show has a master plan. Yo, for real. Like, The Wire and Breaking Bad, just compositionally, structurally, you got through the whole thing feeling like, okay, there was a master plan. Yes. Whereas Mad Men, the first year or two, I thought there was a master plan. Right. Then eventually it was like, we're just throwing plot twists against the wall. Right and see what happens. So I'm hoping that Mr. Robot is going to have that strong sense of where it's going. But, I mean, I'm just I'm loving the show. I mean, just so many things like just the composition of the shots. Oh, my God. Cinematography. The, like, just like the color palette, how the music is implemented. Yeah. There's so many things that you just take for granted because the story's so strong and it works in service of the story mm-hmm. instead of being really showy. That I, th- I mean, I think the show is mad impressive. No, definitely. And I, I fully agree with you, uh, except like, as Lost still rates to me as one of the best TV shows ever, mainly because like the ending, while I definitely agree with everybody out there who's like, what the fuck? You know, it's also, it was the journey that, you know, still remains great to me. Like, it didn't stick the ending, definitely, but I just love the journey and the character development. So I'm not really worried about if Mr. Robot has a master plan. I'd like them to, because, you know, like you said, with Wire, you know, Breaking Bad, it felt like they, at least, you know, at some point they figured it out before they got to the last season. So... And I also, I worry, and this may just be an inevitable thing, I feel like the sort of political social commentary aspects of the premise, mm. I feel like it's impossible to really flesh those out, at least in a series that's going to be ongoing, as opposed to that BBC style, we're out after two seasons. Like, yeah. I wanted to see more of what is the real life impact for citizens <laughs> if you erase all the debt. Like, what are we really talking about? Yeah with all this political stuff. And I feel like it's going to be impossible for the show to go there in a way that's maybe it's unfair for me to even expect that. And, and I got to say, those are points for discussion and not points to story. Right. Like, what you're talking about is way more about, like, which, which I love about the show is because it's introducing not just a story, but, but also ideas. introducing ideas and things that are super appropriate to what's going on right now and that will have you talking about it and to have a show that has you talking about real life ideas, yeah, that like, they're even putting that stuff on the table at all, is right? Yeah, like absolutely, incredible. It's most incredible. definitely. All right, yeah. So overall, you know, we all love Mr. Robot. Definitely hype for it for next season. Like we said, if you haven't checked it out yet, one of the best you know shows of the year. Uh, some other dope ass TV news that I'm really happy about: Simone Missick was cast as Misty Knight. She'll be in the upcoming uh, Luke Cage Netflix series. And for those who don't know, uh, Missy Ni- Misty Knight is one half of the, are they the Daughters of the Dragon? I'm not sure. It's uh, her and Colleen, Colleen Wing. They, form- they are both, usually in the comics, they're both romantically involved with the heroes for hire, with Misty having traditionally been um, Iron Fist girlfriend. That's right. So we'll see because she's appearing in this uh, Luke Cage series, but Luke Cage is now more romantically linked in the comics to Jessica Jones, and he'll be appearing in the Jessica Jones series, which drops this year. So we'll see what they do with Misty Knight, but Simone is definitely a winner, so I'm happy about that one. Also, they cast Steven Ryder as Blake Tower in Daredevil. He's a minor character, I guess, in Daredevil. He's a lawyer or something. He's a DA who helps Daredevil out. So uh, Stephen Ryder has been cast as him, and the original Blake Tower is a white dude. I doubt there will be much outrage over this, but, you know, I'm always happy when brown washing happens, so 
Go for it. Yeah, Steven. and the Ben Urich thing was awesome. Yeah, the first in the first season, just awesome. Uh, something that's not so awesome though that a lot of people have been going off this week is Diggle. Your boy oh, Diggle. Yeah, I know. I can't. I mean, that that Magneto. I'm all right. So <laughs> so Diggle is the right hand man of 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 Green Arrow of yep. Arrow, and he has never had a costume. And there's always been a sense there's all these people who show up and they have costumes. How come Diggle doesn't have a costume? I always kind of liked him in his leather members only jacket, pulling out a gun. <laughs> but they gave him a costume, and he looks like like Wagnito, yeah, Wagnito, Blacknito, Mad Negro. Yeah. I've heard them all Mag this Negro, week on the yeah. internet. It was a lot of them. I mean, he is. It's literally like he has Magneto's helmet, and they just spray painted it black. Yeah, but it's like you can even still kind of see the M on it. Yeah, so it's I like mean, really bad. It's um ridiculous to say the least. But they haven't announced why he has this mask. Right. And so a lot of people are saying that he might become um, either the Crusader or the Protector. I can't remember. Uh, the Guardian. The Guardian. That's who they're talking about becoming. And the Guardian traditionally has this blue and yellow costume. Yeah, with a shield. With the shield. Yeah, the Guardian. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Yeah, the Guardian is like a Captain, a fourth-rate Captain America I mean, type like of dude. Eighth-rate. Because right. it's like absolutely. His costume is the worst, but. This is not much of a step no, up, so that, we'll see what happens with Diggle. On <laughs> they are moving cities on Arrow. He's in a new city. No, no, they're they're actually just going to the comic now. It's not a it's not a coastal city right anymore. It's actually going to be called Coast City. Right. Not that they're moving. They're just gonna you know suddenly magically the city's gonna have its name changed. Oh no! I thought they I thought they left. You know st- what is it? Star City? No, or? it's where, where, Starling City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're going to like in the comic Star City. Right. But they're not moving. They're just the the city just decided to change its name. In oh, I thought it was a new city. <laughs> I thought they moved. No, no. I thought no, no, because the last the end of the other one is like him. They were like packed up in a car and driving along a highway. So they're really driving from Starling City to I, Star City, I, or so, no, or <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Well, well, we'll see what happens on the new season. Right. <laughs> Arrow and Diggle in his costume. And that brings us real quick to my, uh, it used to be my favorite segment, but, you know, other things are taking over. But anyway, comics I copped. And uh, I just tried to give a real quick shout out. I finally finished the Wonder Woman series by Brian Azzarello and Bernard Shang. And um, it's dope. All right, that's the first thing I'll say. The first, the six uh, graphic novels, you can buy them all. They're all out right now. Really dope in- interpretations of the Greek myths. Like, I can't wait for New York Comic Con this year just to see people cosplay as some of these dudes. Like, he has Hell as this little boy who has on um, black armor, and for some reason, his head is covered in candles. And, you know, the wax is melting down, so it's covering his eyes. So it's this little boy with a head of candles who's hell, you know, the ruler of, you know, the underworld, the Poseidon, all the reimaginings of all these characters, the retelling of Wonder Woman's origin and, you know, her adventures are really dope. But this is, once again, brings us back to Lost and, like, Mr. Robot. It's like, I recommend this book, but at the same time, man, after reading that last graphic novel, I was like, you just... Almost had it. You know, you grabbed the ball in the end zone, and then you fumbled. It was like, you know, you ran down the whole field, 90 yards, 99 yards, and fumbled at the one. Like, ah, man. But I still want to recommend this book because it's a very dope book about Wonder Woman, you know, and it's a complete story about this one author and, you know, a great artist over these six volumes. But ah, it was just that ending just... 
I don't know. But anyone else out there, if you've read it, you know, let me know what you feel about it. Like I said, I just, just, you almost had it. Almost had it. And now it's time for my third something segment of the week. I don't know, man. These, I don't write these things anymore. But it's time for Chico's Pick of the Week. Right. So, you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about it's come up, uh, the, the kung fu movies that those of us who came up in the 70s and 80s were watching on, you know, sort of off-brand. Uh, not Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, on Saturday afternoon. or um, Channel 20 in Houston. Right. And so it was like Channel 9 or 11 yeah. in, in New York. Or Channel 6, USA, if you had cable. Right, yeah. I, did not, I definitely did not have cable. I damn sure did yeah. Rich kid over here. So, um, you know, and there was a golden age of kung fu movies in the 70s, and it was Run Run Shaw. The Shaw Brothers produced a lot of them. So we would watch these movies, except I was watching them on a black-and-white TV, and they were dubbed very poorly, and now a lot of them are are on Netflix. Beautiful, beautiful prints, very nice widescreen, and they're in the original yeah. um, Chinese. They were about ten years ago. They got purchased by this company named Celestial, who okay. did out in China, who they did remastered mm. reissues of the entire Shaw Brothers catalog. Wow. Okay, so yeah, so you know about? Uh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So so I used to hang at the Forty Third Chamber, right? Oh, yeah, every yeah. Day oh, yeah. For yeah. those who were up on that. So, so yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of pristine. Prints. Yeah, and and the, you we and it's a lot of joints. I don't know how many of these are on Netflix yet, but joints that you would hear tell of. If you were collecting back in the eighties and nineties, but you never got to see, right? Celestial reissued those and just perfect, perfect quality. So there's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, uh, yeah, like I don't know, thing like Master Killer. I don't think that one's on there, but or Duel of the Iron yeah, Fist. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's, got, eight, there's 800 of them. Yeah, they got they got five Shaolin Masters, uh, which is going the and um, uh, Flying Guillotine, uh, Avenging Eagle yes, is on there. Um, Th- disciples the, of the thirty six chamber, the joint where Master Killer fights the Japanese dude. Right, and and actually uh, there was uh, there was another one that I started watching where like a uh, Chinese dude is going to marry a Japanese woman. That's the and, that's the yeah, one I mean. That's yeah, the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, that one. That joint is on there, yeah. and um, they're they're kung fu style, like or or her she's karate and uh, judo, and he's kung fu, and they're and they're married and their styles. You know, <laughs> it's very <laughs> anyway. Peanut butter and I, I yes. should say Gordon Liu. Which is yes. Oh. Ooh, we we can say the actor's name. Yes, that's yeah. in the eighties. We used to just say the name of the characters. Right, like that was their name. But we <laughs> so, know better now because of the internet. But, you know, a lot of uh, if if you only know a lot of this stuff through like Kill Bill or the Wu Tang, you know, albums. There, there's a huge and actually, Jay, yeah, Jay seems to know uh, know more, more than I do. So yeah, I mean, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jay's I'm pick a, of the week. I'm a, I'm a yeah. big Hong Kong movie. No, head, apparently, sure. yeah, no. And so these have just been started showing up pretty recently, and I didn't know that about that that that, that you that, used that, to be able to go i don't know if you can still find it but you used to be able to go to chinatown and pick right. up all of those oh, hell yeah. Issues, yeah. and they have uh, obviously more recent ones with like jet lee and jackie chan and stuff like that but these original ones are the ones that influence like you know movies uh you know what he's got two you know the the what is it the man with the iron fists or mm-hmm. And then there's a sequel. Riz's whole life is influenced yes, by the exactly, Star Brothers. Like, exactly. Even a yeah, ghost dog. Uh, yeah, and, you also, know. and I should say the independent joints 
mm. like like the Ghostface one. Yes, that's, that's yes. a non-sharp. That's like the yeah. un, that's like the raucous underground. Okay, okay I didn't know that. So is Flying Guillotine a Shaw Brothers? Oh, there's 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 I think there's one or two that are, and then there's, there's some. A that there's a bunch of Guillotine. Flying Guillotine movies. is one of the most hilarious movies I've ever seen because every time that throws out that guillotine and chops somebody's head off with it, it is comedy. Well, definitely, you know, check out. Uh, you'll you'll see these on, on on Netflix, and you know, start rating them high, and they'll and they'll show you the other ones that are on there. I still think Netflix is, you know, the way you know that there's there's more good stuff on Netflix than most people realize. Definitely, they just their interface is just uh, their awful. functionality is the worst, and it keeps it, getting it, worse. It is terrible. Why do I have to look at all this unnecessary animation I now know, to click through everything? It's yeah. really it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. Also, when you watch these movies, count how many times somebody's brother, father, sister, mother, wife is murdered, and right. they go on a plot for revenge. Well, and it's usually by the Manchus. Yes, it's always up there. It's always the Manchus, and they must yeah. learn a new style, right. to, to get the revenge. But I definitely remember being a kid, like, and, and seriously, before, like, there was a point where you'd be walking down the street and people would ask you, you know, like, would challenge you to, you know, moonwalk or or whatever, and it reminded me of dudes would be walking down the street and people would just challenge, challenge each other to kung fu, like, yeah. what, you know, my crane style will definitely destroy your, you know, your dragon Tiger style. style. Yeah, exactly. So definitely check out all the celestial re re uh, you know remasters of the Run Run Shaw and there's another one what is it Golden uh, Golden Harvest Golden Harvest yes. for sure yeah and that, let me I don't know if it's on Netflix yet but one of the ones that I got to discover from the celestial reissues it's just an amazing film is named uh, Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. Which sounds like it's going to be uh, yeah. a Shaw Brothers porno, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a really dope movie, and by the standards of uh, that time, a pretty feminist film. Wow! Like it's, it's women in both of the leads, like, and just is. Uh, I highly recommend. Yeah, that if you can find it, that sounds nice. dope. All right, well, Jay comes in with the help. Absolutely, slam dunk. And all right, Jay Smooth, since you joined us tonight, you know, let the fan bros out there know where they can find you at. Yes, indeed. You can catch my videos at illdoctrine.com, making joints for the Fusion Network these days. Definitely been enjoying working with them. And you can catch me every Friday night from 10 p.m. to midnight on WBAI, New York's longest running hip hop show. Yeah. I come on right after Chuck D. Woo. Definitely got the all star lineup going. Yeah, and I'm crazy. planning to start a podcast real soon. So look out for that. All righty, with the Loudspeakers Network, perhaps. Where we, there's been talks. There's been talks. I mean, you know, it's the only one to go to now. Well, see, I'm tight with my man Jesse Thorne, too, so I got to navigate. I'm not trying to stir up beef. I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> who is he? is no. that a earwig? Is Jesse Thorne is earwig? Or? Am, I, am, I, am I allowed to say? No, yeah, he's, he's Ma Maximum it. Fun Network. Oh, yeah, okay. He's definitely allowed to say it. Shout out to everybody out there yeah. you know, doing their thing in this world. But, you know, there is one loudspeakers network, and then there's a bunch of other guys. And speaking of the Loudspeakers Network, a fan bros show, don't forget, yo, New York Comic Con is now less than one month away. I cannot believe it. Dragon Con is out the way. All that's left is Comic Con and New York Super Week, and we got so much crazy stuff going on. As you know, October 5th, Attack of the Con, Star Wars versus Star Trek at the Domina Center, featuring Gene Gray, Pete Rott, Pharaoh Munch, Quelle Chris. Giveaways by Rocksmith, Mass Appeal, Star Wars Battlefront is going to be in the building with some live displays, perhaps all kind of insanity. I mean, that joint is lit. It's the only time you'll ever see something like this, a debate with hip-hop luminaries discussing 
Star Wars, and Star Trek. And we all know who's going to win that. And then we got Black Girl Nerds meets the Fan Bros, the team-up of all team-ups, the greatest conflagration of Urban Geeks ever. Right. Right here. The meetup. If you're an Urban Geek, this is where you need to be October 6th, once again at the Domena Center. And then finally, October 7th, we got the Crossplay Cosplay Turnup. It's more than a contest because it's at Latitude. It's drinking. There might be some other stuff going on. It's going to be a full-on party. DJs, big shout-outs to Serato. They'll be there. Hercules Sound will be there. Uh, hell, the Dylan of the Deceptive Comments will be there. Right. Combat Jack, a bunch of other people. Jay Justice, Girl Gone Geek. Maybe Jay Smooth might slide through. It it's going to be crazy. All the tickets, all the information, as always, at NewYorkSuperWeek.com and FanBros.com. Get your tickets now because we're just adding more greatness and they might sell out. So you don't want to be left out there in the cold. Fan Bros. Fan Bros.